0: down and shut your trap. It's time for keeping Keeping it sports sports with
1: M3. Are you ready?
2: Are you ready? Well, I'll need some beer. Are you ready? You have to ask me nicely. Come on now, don't be bashful. Are you ready, ready?
0: Are you ready for... Place for the best sports talk and news surrounding each league.
2: I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. Hey man, this time
0: i to do it my way. Uh, what's your name again? And now, here's, ah, here's your host, host. M3, M3, Mike, Mike Rosnansky. Coming to you from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, it's time for Keeping it Sports with M3, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Good afternoon, everyone, hope everything's going well for you here on this Monday, the 22nd day of November, just a couple of days away from Turkey Day, Thanksgiving. I know you're all excited, I can't wait myself, you know, looking forward to it this year because, you know, hopefully we're going to have more of a normal Thanksgiving. I mean, I know nothing in this world is as... Perfect as we would want it to be As normal as we would want it to be But, you know, we make the best uh, with uh, the situation We make the best with uh, what we got uh, right now In uh, this uh, crazy pandemic that we continue to go through But so is life. Now, now, I'll save the football for later. And there's a lot to get to because there's a lot of things that intrigued me from yesterday. And of course, you know, if you know me, there's definitely a big thing that uh, annoyed me. But the first thing I got to get to is you know, the, the news that I'm surprised the... Shock surprised the outrage by over this last week, and that was uh, the departure from the Mets of Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard, who, no, last Wednesday, was it? Announced it was announced that he would be signing or Thursday, excuse me, last Thursday, will be leaving the Mets as a free agent and signing a one-year free agent contract with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And on paper, you look at it and you you say, no, that's actually a pretty good deal for Noah, considering he's thrown two innings the last couple of years he has had trouble staying healthy even without the tommy john surgery because as we know Noah Syndergaard, uh, like many athletes these days has a propensity to you know work out just a little bit too much and now you know to take a one year deal after pitching all of, as I said, two innings the last couple of years, gives him a chance to go out, have a a good season, and then reprove himself on the open market for next year where he can finally get that big long-term deal that every athlete looks for. You know, know, sometimes when it comes to, you know, contracts, yeah, every athlete wants to get paid. They want to get the the biggest average annual salary that they can get. At the same time though, they want that security. They want you know multiple years on their contract. No one wants to go through that one year take it or leave it kind of deal. Because who knows what can happen. You know, sometimes you're forced to go through that, whether you're coming off a down year, whether you're coming off of injuries. You're forced to reprove yourself in the minds of others. So, this is good for Syndicate because he gets more than the qualifying offer. He gets about 3 million dollars more the the Mets off him 18.4 uh he uh, takes one year for 21 million he goes in he, he's he doesn't have to be the ace of this team we know that uh, Shohei Otani is the ace of the uh Anaheim Angels and one thing i i haven't heard anyone say this is This actually just came to my mind just now. Now, with Syndergaard coming off of Tommy John surgery, you don't know how much he's going to be able to pitch next year because we saw how Matt Harvey was his first year after Tommy John surgery where he looked good early on, but clearly he threw too much, and that uh, led to his downfall. That led to the injuries that have kind of have him hanging on by a thread to his baseball career. But with the fact that they have Shohei Ohtani on a limited pitching schedule, they pitch him like once a, once a week, once every six days, something uh, like that. With that kind of space and part now, maybe they, and learning how to do that with Ohtani and protecting him, maybe they're the best organization as far as protecting Noah Syndergaard cuz you figure what's what's the most he's going to pitch next year? What a maybe maybe 25 starts, maybe 100 a, a and uh, 60 innings uh pitch. He, he you can't go into next year with Syndergaard thinking that oh, you're going to get a lot out of this guy that this guy you can rely on to go 200 innings, make 30 starts because the last time Noah it's It'll be three years by the time uh, Noah Syndergaard takes the mound that he pitched close to 200 innings. So the last time he did that was in 2019 when he threw 197. But uh, the, with the fact that they have to baby uh, Otani along, it gives... Uh, it, it's presented them with the perfect blueprint of how to do it with another guy coming off of Tommy John surgery, who's limited in what he's going to be allowed to do. But the thing that has struck me in the last couple of days is the outrage by Mets fans about this. You know, directed at him directed at uh, the Mets management, and, you know, the Mets fans saying, oh, he said uh, they were going to work something out. He w- wanted uh, to be here. where's the loyalty, well, let's face it. A player's loyalty is only to themselves. A player's loyalty is only to, um, you know, themselves and their family doing what's the best, um, you know, for their uh, Situation as, as far as uh, current and uh, long term, no, no. Do you really think that he was going to just turn down uh, three million dollars? Now, who, who knows? Did he come? Him and his agent come back to the Mets a- and say, "Hey, here's what's being presented to us. We'll give you a couple hours to match it, or we're out," or. Did they just take the deal and never never get the Mets uh, involved, never uh, give them even the slightest hint, the slightest chance of uh, matching uh, this offer? Now that there's been differing stories uh on uh, that front oh, but now the the problem became here for the Mets that they didn't have a general manager at the time of this. Yeah, we had heard about a week ago about Billy Epler, how he was going to become the Mets' general manager. But the deal wasn't complete, wasn't official until the end of last week. And that would have been a tough ask. You know, it was Sandy Aldis. And see, this is the problem with how the Mets are running the organization right now because – Sandy Alderson was the one making the decisions as far as qualifying offers for Noah Syndergaard and Michael Conforto. Now, he he put something in the lap of a new general manager now in uh, Billy Epler that he would have been taking the job right away and had to have made a decision on when he's still thinking about, oh, how... Moving his family across the country, getting settled down here, and then trying to build the organization in his own vision with selecting a manager. That manager putting together coaching staff. Him talking to his scouting department on what free agents they were going to be interested in. You know, maybe in Billy Up, lose mind. He wasn't looking at Noah Syndergaard as a guy that he wanted to hear a long-term. Now, maybe he would not have uh, decided to have him uh, for this um, Mets team. So that, that was a tough position for them to be put in. Plus, you know, Mets fans have this love, you know, I forget what the exact wording was. It was, I remember I found this out via text message at work from my brother. And he was saying, oh, this is a tough pill to swallow. I'm like, no, a tough pill to swallow is the Mets letting Zach Wheeler leave as a free agent to the Phillies and never making an offer. I think we're forgetting some things here when it comes to Noah Syndergaard. The guy's always had a lot of talent. Now, he throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. His slider has been clocked in, at, in the mid-90s at, at certain points in his career. But, no, he's never... It's been a while since he's pitched to the reputation that we talk about Noah Syndergaard being. Remember, he's only he's been an All Star one time. That was in 2016. He got off to a good start in 2017 before he tore his pec muscle and missed four or five months because he spent too much of the off season weightlifting and eating venison, putting on you know, something like 15 to 20 pounds of muscle when. Most people say that is the worst thing that any pitcher can do. And, you know, in, in, instead of listening uh, to Mets team doctors along the way, every time he gets injured, he's been a guy that's at times been a pain in the ass to deal with. He care. Sometimes it feels like he cares more about his damn nickname Thor than he does about being a truly great pitcher. Hell, even on his way out of New York here, you're seeing him get into a Twitter war with New York sports radio legend Mike Francesa over uh, the last couple of days. days. He, he's a guy that's a little bit too sensitive, always, you know, wanting to be. On page six, always wanting to be in the spotlight, in, in the headlines, rather than letting what he does on the mound do the talking. Like, you think back, the, the moment that Met fans fell in love with him was game three of the 2015 World Series. The one game they would happen to win in that series. When he threw the first pitch of the game behind Alcides Escobar's head and... Uh, the met fans uh were forever in love with him after that and you know that then the following year when there was injuries to Harvey there was injuries to, to Grom, and the Mets still would sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team he would match Madison Bumgarner for seven shutout innings before the bullpen would uh, blow uh, the game in the uh, ninth inning, with Familiar giving up a three-run homer to, I believe it was uh, Connor Gillespie of of all people. But it's not like this guy had some long, you know, storied career here with the Mets. He was here for you know six years. He. He had moments, but he also had times where he left you disappointed and left you wanting more. Remember, remember all the talk about seven years ago about how all the Mets were going to have this young, homegrown rotation, talking about Matt Harvey, he was the first to burst upon the scene, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Rafael Montero was more talked about than was Uh, Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom, until the spring training um, before he debuted 2014, was kind of an afterthought in this Mets organization. Hell, There was even that picture taken in spring training of 2015 with Bartolo Colon, Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, Jacob deGrom, and uh, Stephen Matz uh, that was put on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I believe had the caption title of the future is now something Talking talk about the, the young arms that the Mets have. And l- look what happened. Harvey came back from t- Tommy John pitched too much uh, flamed out. Now he's trying to hang on Noah Syndergaard uh, with Terry's UCL in spring training of 2020 Pitched two innings the last two years. He's gone. Zach Wheeler had the best two-year run of his Met career, his final two years here. Got a big deal from the Phillies, uh, left as a free agent, and now he's getting better each year, believe it or not. He's now the ace of that staff, finished top three in the Cy Young voting. Steven Matz is, uh, was with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, this past year. And Jacob DeGrom is the only one left, and he spent half the past year on the IL. So, you know, know, these young arms, these young prospects, they can tend at times to break your heart. And I get Met fans uh, saying, you know, we like this guy, We, we wish he would have been a Met his entire career. But to act like this is one of the worst things that's ever happened for the Mets organization, you know, the outcry about this has been a huge exaggeration. the The last couple of days, I'm not I'm not saying you're better off without him because he's clearly a talented uh, pitcher. But as talented as he is, he's been unreliable. Over the last couple of years, mostly in the health department. Did you really want to spend that kind of money on s- someone that's a big question mark, especially when you have a lot of question marks that got to be answered with this team? You know, do you decide to bring back Michael Comforto? Are you going to um, make additions in the bullpen? You've got to still fill out, you know, three or four. Other spots in that starting rotation uh, behind what you hope is a healthy Jacob Degrom. I'll tell you this much: when that contract was agreed to, somewhere Marcus Stroman was smiling. And Mark, Marcus Stroman, I'm not the biggest fan of in the world personally. I I think he's a, a can be a little bit too much sizzle and not enough steak at times. But he had a big year for the Mets uh, this past year. Didn't didn't show in the win-loss column because Mets didn't give him great run support, but he pitched very well. Actually, it was kind of surprised he didn't make uh, the all-star team in the, the uh, middle of the season. So he's going to be looking at a big payday, and he's looking at what Noah Syndergaard got and saying, hey, I've been healthy the last couple of years. I've been out there uh, pitching. If he's getting $21 million, Shouldn't I be getting at least twenty-five million? I mean, we've seen that is unfortunately it's the growing rate for starting pitching. Even if you're a guy that is a uh, you know kind of a middle of the pack starting pitcher, you're going to get paid big time. You are going to get the big bucks when it is your turn. So. Now, Met fans, now you, I get you like the guy, but it has very much been an over-exaggeration the way you guys are carrying on about Noah Syndergaard leaving as a free agent. All right, I'll get to more uh, free agent stuff uh, a little bit later on, even uh, mixing a, a little bit of basketball th- thoughts as well. Got a lot of football to talk about today at, as well. You know, my experience at MetLife Stadium uh, yesterday, uh, some, some surprising things going on around the AFC East, and, you know, mix in uh, a lot of other things around the NFL as well. So, plenty to talk about for the next about 40 minutes or so here. I hope you stick with me, sit back. Relax, help put your feet up, and uh, continue keeping it sports with M3. I'll
2: be back. Also, know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut
1: School of Broadcasting, with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1 800 TV Radio or log on to gocsb.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools, redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained, get connected one eight hundred TV Radio.
0: I gotta admit, I am kinda of physically exhausted here. I mean the next I, I don't get I don't mean to get too too personal here with y'all, but the next month is going to be grind yours truly when it comes to just life in general between work coming here every Monday and uh, doing this podcast as well as uh, you know the jet as many of you know I am a New York Jets season ticket holder so I'm at every home game with the exception of the Halloween game so it's Going to be very much a grind for yours truly the next month with the fact that, uh, no, I work at Amazon, we're about to enter our peak season, that means a lot of 11 hour uh, days coming up. So this is, today is very much therapeutic for yours truly to just sit here, relax talk about some sports and, you know, really not give a damn what anyone thinks about uh, my opinion. About, you know, you know, whether you like my, what I have to say or you, you dislike. And that's that's the biggest thing. See, you know, I'm not of this cancel culture society. I, I believe as long as you are speaking something that has not been proven factually incorrect speak your mind you know our voice is one of our great weapons in life it's powerful it's how it's part of how we express ourselves so if you've got a thought you've got a, an opinion if you're listening to this right now it's always more than welcome um Hit me up on social media through Twitter at Keeping It Sports or my personal Twitter account at M3Rozanski. Also on Instagram at Keeping underscore it underscore sports underscore with underscore M3, as well as on uh, Facebook. Our Facebook page is um, facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. Now, I mentioned yesterday I was at MetLife Stadium for uh, the Jets game against uh, the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins. And, you know, there's only one good thing, let's face it, that has happened for the Jets recently. And that's the fact that the Seattle Seahawks keep losing games. Including yesterday, losing to Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, there's got to be something uh, severely wrong with Kyler Murray. The fact that now he's missed three consecutive games, but uh, Colt McCoy now going into Seattle two straight years as a backup quarterback, uh, getting a surprising start and uh, pulling off a victory against uh, the Seahawks, who quite frankly, look like a mess right now. You know, Russell Wilson looks like a guy that hasn't played in uh, you know, a year rather than just a month. Uh, you've got Jamal Adams, that experiment has not worked, and, they, and that's coming after them locking him up to a big contract extension. So I'm as big a fan of Russell Wilson as I am. I'm very happy with all the losing that they are doing right now. Because it may give the Jets a second top five draft pick. And let's face it, the Jets are going to be uh, drafting in the top five of this coming year's NFL draft. Now, I came into this year with no grand illusions that they were going to win a lot of games. I was just asking for competency. But the last week is the true definition of no competency when it comes to this uh jets organization. Because can someone tell me what was gained yesterday? And I'm not talking about oh another good game from Michael Carter or another good game for Elijah Moore who after a slow start to his season is really starting to pick it up. In fact, you know, yesterday uh was uh, you know the best I've gotten to see him in person, including uh, seeing that uh, sixty-two-yard uh, touchdown uh, catch and run they had. I mean, I I was standing in the FUBU Sports uh, Lounge at uh, MetLife Stadium, and he was uh, running right uh, toward us uh, uh, with that touchdown. It was just, it it was such a cool moment to watch there in the third quarter, just. Sucks that things kind of collapsed in the fourth. Especially, I mean, you're going up against a Miami Dolphin team who doesn't even like their quarterback. Let's let's face it. I mean, to be uh, for the owner to be dancing around and uh, having inquiries with a guy that has uh, 22 uh, sexual misconduct allegations against him is probably going to face a suspension from the league. Shows you how the. The um, the Dolphins really feel about Tua, who's never healthy, always seems to have some kind of injury concern dating all the way back to college. And for the fact that he's barely played this year and the Jet defense allows him to just go out there and, and pick them apart, throw uh, for uh, damn near 300 yards against them. It was quite frankly it was offensive, it was insulting at times, but that's what you get from the New York Jets. They insult your intelligence. They make you question a lot of things about you as a person, question things about your life, like why you do this. And it's just another part of my you no know, miserable existence as a New York Jets fan. Now oh, but I talked about before what was gained yesterday and I wasn't talking about Michael Carter and Elijah Moore playing well. That's a positive because those two guys you hope are pieces moving forward for the quarterback. The quarterback who moving forward will not be Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, who's what, 36, 37 years old, he didn't even want to, Come back to the Jets as a free agent. Chose to sign uh, with the Eagles because he thought it was a there was a better chance of him playing in Philadelphia than there was here, and that's been proven wrong uh, at least uh, the last couple of weeks. But now last last week at this time, when I found out that Joe Flacco was going to be starting this game instead of Mike White, I'm like, why? No, Mike White, so let me get this straight. Mike White was good enough to be the starter against the Buffalo Bills, who have the number one-ranked pass defense in this sport, or had it going into that game. He throws four interceptions against them, which should have been expected. I mean... you have to expect at some point Mike White was going to come back down to earth. But now you're facing the 32nd ranked pass defense. Of the, oh, the vaunted pass rush of, of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, they're really going to get at you. And Mike White's not good enough to start against them. You have to start Joe Flacco, who's been back here for all of about five minutes. How did that make sense? How in the world did that make sense yesterday? How in anyone's right mind was that the right thing to do? Because, yeah, Mike White could have gone out there, thrown another two interceptions, and it been, you know, a blowout situation. But at least you're learning something. At least you're knowing whether this is a guy that you can keep around long-term. Now, as I've said, Zach Wilson's going to be the starting quarterback for this team once they deem him healthy and ready to be back out there. And even though we've heard good reports in the last week, they clearly didn't think he was ready for this game. And who knows if they think he'll be ready to face the pitiful, woeful Houston Texans this coming Sunday afternoon. But. No, at least having Mike White out there, you learn whether he's a guy that you keep you can keep around as uh zach wilson 's backup. Joe Flacco, we know it's near the end. we know he's going to retire soon Now, there, there was no purpose of him playing hell, even you know Josh Johnson would have had a more deserving gripe of playing because he threw for 300 yards against the Colts. But even that I would have had a problem with because both of those guys are in the late stages of their NFL careers. White should have been out there playing. White should have been uh, starting for the uh, the Jets. You you can't go from, oh, a couple of weeks where even the the players, the coaching staff are saying Mike F.M. White talking about how great he is, and even, and then, oh, he has one bad game against the best pass defense in the sport, and suddenly he can't play against the worst pass defense in the sport? There's only one answer to this. There's only one logical answer onto why they did this. You know it. I know it. Gutlessness. Fear. Fear over the fact of Oh my God! What if Mike White goes out there and plays well again? Uh oh! No, we can't have Mike White go out and throw for another three hundred yards and you know two, three touchdowns because then we have a quarterback controversy on our hands. Controversy, however you pronounce the word. No, that that would be that that would create all kinds of problems. That would uh create you know a dynamic. That the Jets do not want to have to face. Well. No. I said a couple weeks ago. When Zach's healthy. He would start. Because the number two overall pick. Gets more opportunities. Over uh, the fifth rounder. But also. It lights a fire. Under Zach Wilson. Knowing that. Hey. They have this guy here. That's played well. That the fan base likes. That the. The. Uh, the players in this locker room seem to uh, um, get around and support. I better get myself going here if I really, truly want to be the guy long term. So that's what they, that's the reason why they did this. Fear. Fear that it would create a quarterback controversy. And, you know, is that really the worst thing in the world? You know, to light a fire under the young kid, to you no, know, force him to possibly grow up faster than he may be uh, uh, ready to. And to, to me, as I said, nothing, absolutely nothing was gained yesterday. I mean, something was gained for the Miami Dolphins. They got their fourth win of the season and put themselves, you know, two and a half games behind or three games back now in uh, the uh, division standings, a uh, division standings that have me quite frankly sick to my damn stomach. Because I said this after the Buffalo loss that the only reason that I wasn't more disappointed, wasn't more heartbroken, is because A, Buffalo is more talented, and B, as m- annoying as I think. Some of the younger fans of the Buffalo Bills are we have one common one thing in common, and that is our despisal our utter hatred for the New England patriots and Unfortunately, Michael Myers is back people, the monster, the demon that we thought we killed or at least thought somebody killed continues to haunt and ruin our lives because we sit here on this Monday, November 22nd and the new England Patriots after 11 games this year are in first place in the AFC East. And you know, it's a team that, Let's face it they're they're doing it with a rookie quarterback in their own right and Mac Jones don't get me wrong he has played well but he isn't he is only part of the ingredients here he's not been the reason why they're getting it done but he's been part of the reason they they've set up a system up there Josh McD led with the Josh McDaniel's offense to not have this kid make a lot of mistakes, have him, you know, grow in confidence each and every week. But their offense these last five games has been mostly predicated on their ground game. And while they all add in on that, the fact that not only are they uh, been very good running the football. But their defense has uh, been uh, stellar, especially the last two games, with how they stifled uh, the Browns after the first quarter, and then last Thursday night shutting out the Atlanta Falcons and you know holding the Falcons to two for eleven on third down, getting uh, four interceptions in the fourth quarter, holding uh, the Falcons to forty uh, rushing yards, making them a one-dimensional offensive team. And I guess maybe this should have been expected because they were going to be getting a lot of veteran pieces back, guys that had opted out uh, due to COVID last year, um, including Dante Hightower. Hell, they brought back uh, an old favorite of Bill Belichick's and Kyle Van Noy after a, a brief stint with the Miami Dolphins. And we're left shaking our heads like, why does this keep happening? Why can we not get rid of the New England Patriots? Well, part of it is the fact that the Buffalo Bills, who were crowned as everybody's favorite in the AFC um, to reach the Super Bowl this year, are not holding up their end of the bargain to dominate this uh, division. You know, it was, I, I said it during the offseason it's very easy to be the hunter. We're going to see how you are when you are the hunted, when you're not surprising anybody anymore, when people know your what tricks you have up your sleeve and they know how to better strategize for you. And what do you know? Teams have started to figure that out with Buffalo. I mean, you look at two of the last three weeks, they've been forced to. To become a very one-dimensional football team. Not only can they not run the football. But they also cannot stop the run. You know, Yesterday, Jonathan Taylor having a career day. With five touchdowns. Uh, running for a buck 80. Even having a receiving touchdown. I mean, I'm looking up at the red zone highlights. During commercial breaks at MetLife Stadium. And I'm seeing scoreboard 14 nothing then I'm seeing 24 to 7 then I at one point I look up and I see 38 to 7 and to make this all worse the Buffalo Bills they were at home yesterday this wasn't like it was in Indianapolis you know sometimes good teams can sleepwalk on the road a little bit you know we saw it last week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a um, When they lost down in our nation's capital. Buffalo was back at home. In front of uh, their rowdy crowd yesterday. And still got their ass kicked. Like. Come on man. And I. You know I can't even. I really can't even say anything. About this right now. Because I got. I got one. uh, uh, Friend of mine. uh, That is a Bills fan. But I know. And he's. Trust me, he's he's not one of these youngsters that is you no know, thinking that oh the the Buffalo Bills are all that in a bag of chips, thinking that uh, this is uh, just a given. He's been through the wars. He experienced the late the early nineties where they lost four consecutive uh, Super Bowls. Felt the pain that Buffalo Bills fans have truly experienced. Hell, he even laughed in my face uh, uh, after that heartbreaking loss to end the 2015 uh, season. But, you know, as much as I disliked the Bills, they were they were my one hope to hold off the New England Patriots in this division. And now... Unfortunately, because of them sliding, they've allowed, as I put them before, Michael Myers to come back to life. And now Belichick has his quarterback. He's got his defense back. And as we know, he's a very youngish, what, 68, 69 years old. Unfortunately, we might have buried them way, way too soon. All right, going to take another break. here. I'll come back and recap the rest of the action from week number 11. Can't believe we're already saying that in the NFL. Continue keeping it sports with M3. I'll be back.
2: know how to shoot edit and post videos you become a pretty hot commodity that's the training you get at connecticut school of broadcasting
1: connecticut school of broadcasting with locations up and down the east coast from massachusetts to miami call 1-800 tv radio or log on to gocsb.com. connecticut school of broadcasting the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools redefining training in radio tv and new media get trained get connected
0: 1-800-TV-RADIO As I said a moment ago, I, I cannot believe it's already week 11 in the National Football League. That will close out tonight with uh, the Giants and the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. Giants, probably as healthy as we've seen them all season long. It looks like uh, no, outside of... Uh, the left tackle uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, who I haven't heard any reports about him yet, but outside of uh, him and some of his uh, injury issues that he's been dealing with, sounds like they're going to be full stock offensively. Sounds like Barkley, for the first time, in well over a month, is uh, going to be back out there. Uh, the, still missing, you know, some key pieces on uh, the defensive side of things. But remember, uh, the uh, Buccaneers are going to be without Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski still. So they are are somewhat limited offensively, but then again, you do have the GOAT on the other side. So we shall see, as they say. Now, looking at uh, the league yesterday, for as much as I was able to check things out at MetLife, even with the questionable cell phone service uh, I was getting. Now, I'll continue to say this. I I can't figure out what the hell's going on this season. It has been truly, you know, week to week as far as who's truly good, who is, you know, amongst uh, the... Elite of the elite. I mean, you could argue we don't truly have a Super Bowl favorite right now. We don't have a team that you look at and you say, oh, I got them playing on Super Bowl Sunday. There's about 10 10 teams where you could pick their name out of a hat and they could win the Super Bowl and then 20 people come up to you and say, there's this, this, and this, why I disagree on that. There's no, there's no consensus favorite right now. Because you know, with Arizona, we have to see how Kyler Murray is when he comes back. Dude, it's, not, it's not just a video game here, folks. You can't just plop someone in and it's like, oh, they're fine. No, th- there is a such a thing as rust in professional sports. But you look at some of the things that went on in the league this week. Now, I thought maybe there'd be a little bit of a hangover for the San Francisco 49ers after such a huge victory on Monday Night Football against the Rams this week, sending the Rams into their bye week, licking their wounds. But uh they stayed strong and uh, blew out the hopeless Jaguars Scoring on the, their first five possessions uh, yesterday, Garoppolo having uh, another pretty good game and continuing to keep Trey Lance on ice for now. But you know, yesterday in that game, you know, I, I look at it with how Trevor Lawrence uh, had kind of an average game. The fact that we haven't seen Trey Lance yet. Uh, the fact that Mac Jones is really the only one of these quarterbacks that is truly playing well, it continues to show why it's too early to make any kind of predictions, any kind of observations, any kind of uh, bottom line opinions on any of these quarterbacks. These co- young quarterbacks, you know, you know, usually go to bad teams. There's some exceptions to that. You know, New England. Last year had a lot of guys opt out. The 49ers had most of their star players injured last year. So, you know, and we both, we all thought that those two teams were pretty decent teams heading into last year. It was just a matter of, you know, how they were going to handle their quarterback situations this year. So to make judgments on Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields right now might be a. L- little bit too quick, now, I know we're probably not going to see uh Justin Fields for a little bit because he got hurt yesterday uh, uh left uh, in the third quarter against the Baltimore Ravens uh with uh, ribs and what they're saying possibly a spleen injury uh probably won't suit up against uh the against the Lions on Thanksgiving. That will be Andy Dalton uh, coming into uh, play there. But, no, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Bears, just considering, A, they weren't going anywhere this year to begin with. Now, they've lost now five in a row uh, and without key members of defense, including Khalil Mack having season-ending foot surgery. And Bay gives him a chance to take a deep breath considering he's working behind one of the worst offensive lines in uh, football. Now, the Bears, their fifth uh, consecutive loss yesterday was kind of heartbreaking with a, a late touchdown uh, by Devontae Freeman of the Ravens to lose uh, 16-13 in the last uh, 25 seconds there. Um, the big story with that was with the how the Ravens did not have Lamar Jackson about ninety minutes before kickoff was announced that due to uh, unspecified illness so they're saying is not covid not influenza um, uh, something that he barely was causing him to barely be able to stand up on his own two feet he was un- unable to play uh, the good thing for Baltimore is while he's not Lamar Jackson no one will ever uh, uh Insult your intelligence and compare him to that. They were able to stick Tyler Hundley in there and run a similar style of offense. Now, he's not going to be able to dash you and throw down field uh, like Lamar, but that's the key with having a backup quarterback. That when you put him in, A, he can be competent and still give you a chance to uh, be competitive and win a football game, and B, that you don't have to turn over everything in your offense because then that you know puts everything into disarray that uh causes your entire team to be uh truly upended and uh you no know, you no know, can set you in I don't want to say a downward spiral but create kind of a messy situation there and the, the Ravens, you know, they they get the victory, move to seven and three, move on to uh next Sunday, where they will play the Cleveland Browns, who I thought the Cleveland Browns had the worst win of the week yesterday over the now oh nine and one Detroit Lions. First off, God bless you, Billy August, for continuing to watch this team every single week. Um the the fact that uh they're an even bigger train wreck than my New York Jets. But for the Browns to only beat the Lions by three points, when you knew going in yesterday that the Lions were going to be starting somebody named Tim Boyle, making his first NFL start due to Goff's oblique injury, and you could only um, muster 13 points against that team, Kind of pathetic, especially with the big day Nick Chubb was having. Problem is, you know, Baker Mayfield was uh, turning over the football at well. And listen, I know he's playing with a lot of injuries right now. He's got the por- partially torn labrum in his left shoulder, uh, for God's sakes. He's you know, dealing with uh, some lower body injuries as uh, well. And... You saw a little bit of the immaturity of Baker Mayfield after the game yesterday when even in a winning effort refused to talk to uh, the media. But the Cleveland Browns, we expected so much more out of them coming into this season than being six and five uh, at this point. They were expected to contend for the division, and they were talked about, I, I know I talked about them at least, as being one of my top four contenders in the AFC when it came to the Super Bowl. It was the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, and the Browns, any order you want to put them in. Those I thought were the top four teams in the AFC. And recently, they have looked like anything but that top four team. Uh, they've looked like a team that, at minimum, is wild card weekend. And done. And maybe, you no, know, they got rid of what was their ultimate distraction in Odell Beckham, the guy that could not fit there. But, you know, Mayfield, you know, has got to get things straightened out. You no know, injuries, as long as you're out there, injuries are not an excuse, you're out there, you're expected to perform, especially when this is such a big year for you in a contract year, showing that you're the guy and you can handle the pressure of expectations. Um, one that uh, kind of surprised me yesterday was the Eagles against the Saints. The Eagles um, you know, just... Obliterating the Saints on the ground, uh, running for 240 yards against them a couple of weeks ago. I thought uh, I was of the mindset that maybe Nick Soriani might be one and done in, in uh, Philadelphia with how um, upset that fan base was, how they were, you know, kind of treated as a, a laughing stock. But they've got that offense uh, figured out on. How to get the best out of Jalen Hurts, realizing that you know we're not going to be able to change the quarterback situation right now. This is the best we've got, so let's build it, you know, somewhat in the model of the Baltimore Ravens, where it's a a running quarterback, and we're uh, built around him running the football a lot. Yeah, he's smallish compared to Lamar Jackson. But that takes advantage of his greatest strength. And for them to run for 240 yards against the third best rushing defense in the sport was a very impressive uh, feat yesterday. Now, they did take advantage of a couple of Trevor Simeon interceptions, including uh, the pick six by Darius Slay that kind of Got that game out of hand right before halftime, but now you look at the Eagles—they're uh, five and six. They've gotten themselves back into the race when it comes to not just thinking about wild card, but even maybe thinking about the uh, division. You know, they're playing the Giants at MetLife uh, next weekend. It will be the beginning of a kind of a. Quirk in the schedule where they're playing at MetLife Stadium on back-to-back weeks versus the Giants and then uh, the Jets. But they've gotten themselves at least within shouting reach of the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. The Cowboys, who fell yesterday in Kansas City to the Chiefs, where the Cowboys had no offense. You know, Dak Prescott uh, turned the ball over three times. they never got uh, the ground game going, and you know maybe it would help if you're actually giving your running backs the football. Um, I never like seeing where you have a pass to run uh, a differential of forty three to sixteen. That uh, doesn't set you up for good things. And uh, you now add on top of that, you know, the offensive line did not pr- protect Prescott. Now th- there, there were chances there for the Cowboys uh, because you know, Kansas City did nothing spectacular offensively. Yes, yeah, sir. So they they went back into the slumber that they were in pre uh, uh, Raiders game. They went back to the Kansas City Chiefs, where you know their offense you can't seem to figure it out. They're acting a little bit too cool for school, if if you ask me. And now the Cowboys you know, have only a couple of days to figure this out because uh, they play again on Thanksgiving. Now, what will help is that they are facing a Raiders team that can't get out of its own way now. Lost their third in a row yesterday to the Cincinnati Bengals. And it looks like the emotions of everything that's happened to them this year with their head coach and with Henry Ruggs have started to catch up on them. I mean, they've remained competitive to a certain point. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the inexplicable turnovers start happening, um, including you know the, with uh, Derek Card having back-to-back turnovers uh, with the interception to Eli Apple in the fourth, and then a fumble uh, on a sack to Trey Hendrickson uh, that kind of sealed the deal, got to... Uh, the Bengals out of a, a little bit of a slide, but continued the skid that the Raiders have uh, been on as of late. Uh, the Titans uh, lost to the Texans uh, yesterday, ending their uh, uh, six game win streak. A lot of this, you no. Know, was thanks to Ryan Tannehill uh, throwing four interceptions inside the the Texans' 30-yard line, gave Houston great field position all day. And now Houston, you know, they did just enough not to lose this game. I mean, the the Titans moved the the football all day against them, had 400 total yards. It was just uh, that uh, Tennessee kept... Turning over the football, had five uh, total, including the four interceptions by uh, Tannehill. Now, uh, they, it doesn't get much easier for uh, them. They take a drastic step up in competition by going up against a team next week in the Patriots that they may see again down the line in uh, the postseason. And, you know, talk about... Uh, no confounding i would have thought that cam newton coming back to the panthers would give them some energy give them some extra life and now he played well for the most part the problem is they didn't have the football a lot uh, washington dominated time of possession by running all uh, the uh the ball kept uh uh, the Panthers to short drives by giving them the two for nine on uh, third down. And they were the worst team in the NFL on defense, defending third downs coming into uh, uh, yesterday. And uh, pick up their fourth uh, win of uh, the season. Cam Cam has done enough so far that warrants him being the starter. Um, even once Sam Darnold comes back it's just you know the Panthers are in a kind of a quandary situation as I brought up last week while Cam is showing he can still play are they locked into him being their quarter uh, returning to being their long-term answer at quarterback remember he's, he's like my age he's still 32 33 uh years young but this year for them was a trying to get an evaluation and see what Sam Darnold could do could be and unfortunately with injuries and now ineffectiveness they're not getting to see that. And finally uh the the Vikings won a slugfest against uh the Packers yesterday 34 uh, 31 No, the the Packers defense uh no let get away what was an amazing performance uh, by Aaron Rodgers, uh, who picked apart the Viking defense all day. Problem is you now the Vikings have some pretty damn good weapons uh, on that other side in their own right, including Justin Jefferson, who 's continuing what is going to be an all pro type season uh, with another two touchdowns and one hundred and sixty nine yards uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, it's funny, the Vikings' history has always been them missing game-winning field goals at the end. And this year, they're seemingly doing that you know, left and right. They did it against the Lions after that almost choke job they had um, a month ago. And now uh, they've done it here to the Packers where you know they led this game 23-10 at one point, And then Packers come rolling back. Rodgers you know, having a field day with Adams and Scantling. And uh, turning this one into a real shootout. But I guess because the game was at one o'clock rather than, you know, a prime time situation, that's when Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, excuse me, shows up. You know, nightfall, don't expect anything from Kirk Cousins other than, you know, ripping your heart out. Daytime, Kirk Cousins can be as good as anyone almost forgot this I'll close this segment out with uh this Sunday night football last night uh, uh Chargers over the Steelers 41-37 that almost was the ultimate Chargers kind of loss right there because they're dominating this game heading to uh the fourth quarter I don't it, You almost don't want to call this a, a comeback victory when the fact that they're up by 17 heading into the fourth and then the Steelers score on five consecutive uh possessions uh to uh Take a a brief 37-34 lead, thanks to a lot of miscues by the Chargers. Getting a punt block that gave the Steelers the ball um, on uh, the three-yard line. uh, Set up an easy Najee Harris uh, touchdown. Then Justin Herbert, a couple minutes later, throws an interception to Cameron Sutton. And you follow that up with, I don't get what Brandon Staley's obsession is. With going for it on fourth down, especially in his own territory, you know I know they were getting through it and doing well with it early in the year, but eventually eventually the laws of averages catches up to you. It bites you in the ass, and you know you're looking like a damn fool with how many times you go for it on fourth down. You know, just kick the ball away. you can see that the Steelers have momentum. Um, here that they're coming back on you don't give them the potential of a short field and instead in a tie game you're trying a fourth down in your own territory and you set up an easy Chris Bos- for easy Chris Boswell uh, go-ahead field goal you're saving grace is that you have arguably the best young quarterback in the sport right now? Uh, a quarterback that half the teams in this sport would kill to have in Justin Herbert back there, who's cool, calm, posed, poised under pressure, had another 300 plus yard, three touchdown game. In fact, um, became the youngest quarterback to have 300 yards and 90 plus rushing yards in the same game. I mean, it's amazing what he's doing. Every week, he's seemingly breaking some new record for first and second year uh, quarterbacks and has left a lot of people around the league in envy in what uh, this team has going forward. Going to take one last break here, come back, finish things up. Um, This is Keeping It Sports with M3. I'll be back.
2: Know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting.
1: Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1 800 TV Radio or log on to gocsb.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools, redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained, get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO.
0: Now this has been one of the biggest stories across the sports world today. What happened in Detroit last night between the Lakers and the Pistons when in the third quarter on the rebound of a foul shot, LeBron James would elbow Isaiah Simmons in, in uh, the face, busting him open, you know, knocking him, him to the floor. And at the moment it happened, LeBron had his hands up, kind of uh, seemed apologetic. And Simmons got up and was not taking any of that, was, was not feeling it. And I can understand why. Looking at the replay, you see LeBron kind of just like throw his elbow out and downward, you no, know, at Simmons' uh, head. I mean, that that was a dangerous play, and I, I think LeBron justly got uh, ejected uh, from this game. You no, know, e- even without what happened afterwards, I think you had to throw him out. That that was even though LeBron has never been a dirty player, has never been the type of guy that commits dirty late hits, uh, tries to hurt, uh, somebody. No, he's always trying to be befriend all of the younger players across, uh, the NBA, but he ran into the, one of those guys that just was not feeling. It was not like, Hey, This is Bush League that I'm not not accepting this apology uh, from you. And we saw how Simmons flipped out, how livid he was after this because he kept trying to push through coaches, trainers, security, teammates, trying to get at not only LeBron James, but other members of the Lakers. And, you know, he... uh, was a loose cannon. He deserved his ejection and deserves a fine and a suspension because you can't have a situation like that. It, especially not in that city because it brings up in people's minds the malice at the palace 17 years ago. It That's still such a a fresh thought in people's minds even you know, 16, 17 years uh, later with the ugliest... What we all agree is the ugliest situation in NBA history and changed a lot of the rules in the league. I mean, now whenever there's any kind of on-the-court squirmish, anybody who comes off the bench is deemed an instigator and uh, will get a, uh, a, a suspension at least one game. I mean, we've seen it. Happen in playoff games. Remember. It cost the Phoenix Suns. A. Uh, a, a post. Postseason series. With Amari Stoudemire, uh Coming. Like two feet off the bench. and That was. Last night. It was just. Seventeen days. Seventeen years. Two days. After. That. Infamous. Incident. Between. Uh, Ron Artest. Uh, um, and. uh Ben Wallace and the fans. It just, but as much as Simmons is going to get suspended, I think LeBron deserves at least probably two game suspension for that because that's that's unnatural. That's you, you just can't have that. There needs to be some fines and suspensions from some other guys on the Lakers because something had to have been said for Isaiah Simmons to just flip out that badly because. You saw that one point where he came charging through about eight or nine people. Could have hurt somebody. And when everyone was being separated, you saw he was still joined. There was still some join coming from DeAndre Jordan. There was comments coming from Russell Westbrook. That's who I think he was trying to get at the second time he was charging back at them. He was trying to get to Russell Westbrook, who seemed incredibly heated, incredibly hot at that moment. And, you know, wanted to essentially incite the situation rather than calm it down. So, now, I think there needs to be some kind of uh, punishments there. I mean, this really could have gotten ugly, people. You you saw he went sprinting back to the locker room and almost pulled the end around trying to come back out uh, the uh, Lakers side there. So, while I... I've never thought LeBron James is a dirty player. That was beyond the rules. That was over the line. He deserves a suspension. Isaiah Simmons deserves a suspension. And there needs to be some kind of hefty punishment for both DeAndre Jordan and uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. Because they did nothing to fan the flames of that uh, spot, that situation. Now, talked about earlier, uh, let's get back to baseball to close things out. Talked about earlier with uh, uh, Noah Syndergaard signing as a free agent with the Angels and the tough spot the Mets were in because uh, the more I read over this last hour, it does not seem like they were given a chance to match that. It doesn't seem like Noah and his agent came back to uh, the Mets and make some, make some of his comments over the last month. Uh, about hoping that something is worked out, uh, wanting to be a Met long-term, look kind of hypocritical, look kind of uh, ridiculous. But uh, you no. Know, at the same time, that is the going rate for pitching across this sport and shows you how precious pitching is because there was a lot of interest in him. Now, reportedly, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays all expressed some amount of interest in Noah Syndergaard. And once Syndergaard got one-year $21 million, oh, that upped the ante for other pitchers around the league and made Justin Verlander, who's coming off Tommy John surgery in his own right, even more valuable, even more um, of a commodity than the future Hall of Famer Already is, even for when he takes the mound uh, next spring, whenever the season starts, it'll be the first time that he has thrown a pitch in a real big league game since the postseason of 2019, over two and a half years. He, after a lot of rumors, speculation that, oh, maybe this was a bidding war between the Yankees and the Dodgers. He ended up signing one year uh, with uh, the Houston Astros for uh, $25 million with a player option for the 2023 season. And listen, it, I was slightly disappointed because as much as I get on Verlander for how he seems to always have a comment for everything, he's a guy that I would not mind having on my team. I mean, he's been a dominant pitcher for a long time. The fact that he's over in his bullpen sessions coming back from this, he's already throwing 96 miles an hour shows that he's got himself in pretty good shape and uh, is recovering remarkably well at this late stage of his career from Tommy John and probably only has a couple of years left but wants to go out. Um, showing the best of himself, does not want to be one of those guys that you know just slumps to the finish line. So I, I would have liked to have seen that in pinstripes. Plus, it doesn't help having Kate Upton in, in the stands uh, at a bunch of Yankee games at Yankee Stadium. But uh, that that was a, l- a little bit uh, disappointing. And now the now the Yankees are going to have to look elsewhere because they do need to add a pitcher. At, by my estimation, this off season, you look at it, As long as he's healthy, I think Garrett Cole it is a lock to be, you know, one of the top five to 10 pitchers in the sport next year. The, you know, he's shown us nothing to believe he, he won't be. The, he, he never made an excuse about the hamstring injury. Scott Boris was the one in the last couple of weeks as said that was a problem the last month, but he pitched his way through it, and you, know, you could clearly see at times that it was an issue uh, for him. And we know how important le- the legs are for uh, pitchers. But you're looking at a situation with the Yankee rotation, where it's Cole and then question marks. Because Severino, he came back and pitched well in relief I- in September, but what he pitched, like 6-5? Six innings, something like that, and those are the, the only five, six innings he's pitched in the last two years. Hell, it's been since the 2018 season where he pitched the full season as a starter. He he missed most of 2019 due to a various of injuries. What are you going to be able to count on from him next year? Jordan Montgomery, I like him, but I think there's a limit to what Jordan Montgomery is, and that's being you know a number three, preferably four-type starter, a guy who's competent guy who goes out there and will uh, be competitive uh, for you once every five days, but not someone that you're relying on to be an anchor in your rotation. Uh, Jamison Tyon, who started to pitch well um, in, in the middle of the summer, but then uh, some foot issues uh, hampered him down the stretch and would eventually uh, need uh, surgery on plantar fasciitis. It doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for the start of the season, and then after that, you've you've got Domingo Herman, who never stays healthy, and he he always somewhere somewhere around end of June, beginning of July, usually has a three week stint on the IL somewhere, and you have a bunch of kids who, while you like, of uh, the the potential and promise of guys like, uh, uh Luis Heal, who showed some good things at times, and Davey Garcia, who was good in 2020, but had an awful season in the minor leagues. Those kids clearly aren't ready. Clark Smith always is dealing with some kind of injury issue in his own right, making me uh, wonder if he's going to be more of a bullpen guy going uh, forward for this team. So they need to add some starting pitching. I don't know, you know whether... You know, they're not going to go out there and sign Marcus Stroman. It's clear that the organization and him can't stand each other. That, that's, that marriage will never happen. But you know, would Max Scherzer ever co- consider coming to the Yankees? He's a free agent. Or do you go out there and make a big trade for a guy like Luis Castillo, who the Yankees have been rumored to be attached to for the better part of the last two years? There's a lot of questions, a lot of things that have got to be answered with this pitching staff. And it's the beginning of what you hope is an active offseason for the Yankees. Now, listen, we're a week and a half away from the sport, you know, shutting down. And hopefully they do their negotiations of the CBA in a peaceful manner. But there's going to be questions that got to be answered with the Yankees starting rotation. First base, what are they going to do there? It's going to be, it's. I'm telling you, it's going to be one of two people. It's going to be either Anthony Rizzo or a trade for uh, uh, Matt Olson of the A's because the Yankees have a lot of prospects that people like. That's why you saw on Friday the Yankees DFA three players um, off their 40-man roster because they had to protect certain prospects that were eligible for the Rule 5 draft. You saw them DFA uh, Tyler Wade, who was earlier today traded to the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They traded, they DFA'd Rudnett Odor, who the Texas Rangers are covering the rest of his contract. And they DFA'd a guy that I like, but clearly can't stay healthy in Clint Frazier, who... Who knows if he's even ever going to be able to play baseball again because this vertigo is uh, turning out to be a a real problem for him, causing a blurry vision for him. And last time I checked, you have to actually see the baseball to hit the baseball. So unfortunately, it it stinks that he's in uh, that situation, but the Yankees had to – Uh, rightfully so, move on from him uh, for uh, their betterment and for uh, clearing up a 40-man roster spot. Hopefully, he can continue his career elsewhere. And then there's the the questions surrounding shortstop position. Now, are they going to go after one of the big free agent shortstops or do they love these kids, Anthony Volpe and... Oswald Peraza so much that they just go with a stopgap guy like an Androlton Simmons on a one-year deal until they're ready. Now, the thing about that is I think a guy like Peraza is going to have to be used in the deal to get Matt Olson. You know, to get something good, you got to give up something you like. So, both of them are not going to be able to play shortstop in the future for the Yankees. But, you, know, you have to remember that this is a different Yankees than the old George Steinberg Yankees. You now, old days, you wouldn't have even thought about this. Be, be, go out there, sign Corey Seager, uh, pay Max Scherzer, whatever he wants to come here, and then trade for Matt Olson and call it a day. But they have other things that they have to think about, including the contract extension for Aaron Judge, which for the first time last week, Brian Cashman mentioned that as a possibility. And, you know, I've said it before. Just as much as I want to win, how many $30 million guys can you have on a payroll and still be considered financially uh, responsible? So it's an interesting offseason that the Yankees are about to embark on, that they're about to have. And, you know, we'll see. How they plan on uh, doing this, you know, with the first base. Now, clearly, Luke Foyt is not the answer at shortstop. Do they decide to go seekers? The guy for me, if you're signing a free free aid, one of the big free agents because he's a left handed hitter. But no, do they decide that they really love Anthony Volpe that much that they go short gap uh, with a, a stop gap at shortstop? And starting pitching, starting pitching, you know, like quarterbacks in the NFL, like goalies in, in the NHL, it's such a key to your success. Good starting pitching shuts out, shuts down good offense any day of the week. And right now the Yankees have a lot of question marks in that starting rotation that they've got to answer over the next several months. And that, my friends, was keeping it sports m three for Monday, November 22nd, 2021. Everyone have a great night. Have a great week. Stay safe. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. how if you're going out on Wednesday night, enjoy your Thanksgiving Eve. And I'll talk to you guys again same time next week. Until then, peace. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
2: To go good night everybody i have had enough of you now, so thank you for all the fun thank you hey shut up will ya? Now, so i don't want to see you i don't want to hear you and i don't want to smell you I leave. i'll be back